to start recording. There we go. Let's let's blank that. There we go. You've seen most of us have seen that, so we're not going to do that. Okay. It is hilarious. It is. Who wasn't here this morning? Let me just see that. Oh yeah, let's just watch it then. Yeah. Fair enough. Nate, can you just get some audio there, man? I'm going to tell you, sit behind the desk. I'm going to make... <laughs> Are you comfortable when you wear a mask this morning? So tonight, we're going to try to respect each other's boundaries. I don't know if you guys have heard about um, the cemetery down at, at Mount Cotton, uh, but no one living in Logan can be buried there. I know, wasn't it good? <laughs> For those that don't know, no one living, no one living, no one living there. Okay, cool. Cool, okay, okay. <laughs> Ooh, tough crowd, tough crowd. <laughs> 
So um, just talking about the the whole parenting thing, and I realized tonight talking to people in the room that um, one really, Josh and I, the guys in the room aren't yet dads, and um, we've all got a, pretty much a little ways to go yet. And then there's a bunch of people in the room that dads are not necessarily the best picture in your world as well. Um, and there's others in the room as well. Now, we've got these two verses which we run off. And, you know, one of the real deep heartbeats, I, I said, we sat down. In a month's time, we're going to be sitting down as a church. And, and as a church, we're going to be fasting for a week and just listening to what God's saying to us for next year and planning it and praying into that. Last year when I, I did this around October, I said one thing, there was one thing that really came on my heart, and it was this. If I can train people to do one thing this year, it would be to empower them to be spiritual mums and dads. That's, that's the deepest thing that's in my heart, and I think as a church who God's got us to be is to bring this connection to family together. And, and the two base scriptures that, that flow off that are Malachi 4.6, which you guys would know because I talk it all the time and you should be able to rattle it off by now because I've said it about 500 times in the last four years. But in the last days, Elijah will come and he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers, lest I bring a curse on the land. And, and what this does is that it plays this intergenerational connection which is so vital and important to the kingdom of God moving forward but also it illustrates what needs to happen spiritually, that of fathers loving the kids or, or, or those that hold something of the kingdom of God inside them, turning their hearts toward those who hold something less of the kingdom of God or don't yet hold that bit of the kingdom of God so that those people then can turn their hearts to and, and bring this connection. And then in Psalm 68, you've got this great phrase, which I think is absolutely wonderful. A little while ago, um. Josiah, we were booking him into uh, to daycare uh, uh, a few years back, and we went down and booked him into daycare, and you have to fill out forms whenever you book your kids in somewhere, and they ask you all these questions about your life and your medical history, and one of the key questions on those forms is name. And so Susan and I fill out our names on the top of the forms and hand them in, and they look at the forms and go, oh, you guys are a bit unusual. Oh, what, what, what do you mean? Oh, you both have the same surname. Yeah, that was pretty much my reaction too. So what it was is we were booking Josiah into daycare and it was unusual for daycare that the parents had the same surname as each other. So this reflects what sort of families kids are coming from. When I, when I grew up, I grew up with a, with a single mom. I was abnormal at the time. It wasn't wasn't a normal thing. It was out of the ordinary. A few years ago, I remember um, sitting with the chaplain down at Shaler High, and we, we did a survey of the entire school. 80% of the students came from broken families in the school there. And so there's this absolute desperate need for fathers to be spoken in. I've lived this and walked this my life, and some of you guys live this and walk this even now. And that's where this great verse comes out, that God is known as a father to the fatherless. And he's a God that restores. And, and, and 
one of my heartbeats has been, how do, we, how do we get this connection happening? How do we see that go from a God realm to him then providing that on a natural setting into our, into our lives right here? And how do we then display that and connect that through into the lives of our young adults, youth ministry, children's ministry, and even beyond that? There was a, there was a mum. She had two sons and, and had a husband. And in Israel, there was a, a famine that went through the land. Her mum's name was Naomi. And so what was happening, there was a famine through the land. And so what they decided as a family to do was move to Moab. And um, it's not mother of all bombs. It was actually a country called Moab at the time that they moved to. And so they moved there. And while they were there, the sons found wives. And um, as, as you do, you get to an age, don't you, blokes? We start looking around and going, hey, what, what can we get in? So they got wives there. And at this time, then Naomi's husband died. And then it got to the point then where Naomi's then got this, this uh, two son-in-laws and two daughters and looking after. And so she's the matriarch of the family. And then the two son-in-laws die. And so Naomi starts going, well, hang on, these were the guys that were providing for the family. What can we do now? And so after a little while of caring for the daughters, she's like, you know what? I can't do this to you, you girls anymore. What I'm going to do, I'm going to go back home to Israel. I'm going to take off back there. But you ladies, you're still young. You're still beautiful. You don't have kids yet. You need to go find another man, get, get married, and, and just like, live life and, and really do well. And so there's all these tears happening because what's happened is these girls have, have discovered affection for their mother-in-law and, and fallen in love with her. And so lots of tears that happen. And I know, as blokes would sort of say, oh, yeah, toodles. But apparently women get a little bit more emotional about these things. <laughs> and um, then, um, Oprah, off, off, Oprah, off. Starts with O. Orpa, Orpa, thank you. I looked at your face. I was like, oh, there it is. That's the name. Cool. And um, Orpa. Orpah goes, okay. After a lot of tears, she goes, okay, bye-bye. And, and so she goes back home to probably her parents and um, gets sorted out there. But, but Ruth sits there and goes, no, where you go, I go. She's already noticed something that's gone on in the life of this person who's come into her world, something that she desired. And she wouldn't let her out of her grasp then. She's like, I'm going to chase you down. And hunt you down. So Naomi's obviously had some sort of investment going into her. She's turned, and then so she's moving countries. And so she, she hops in a plane and off they set in a jet. Well, they didn't have planes back then, but they probably would have hopped on. A, actually, they weren't rich enough to have a donkey even. So they would have walked. Um, will you fight for shoes? Um, they would have walked through there and, and um, ended up back in Israel. Then when they get into Israel... They've got no money. They've got no land anymore. And so they start going around and looking. And Israel's, the famine sort of ended this time. And, and so now Macca's is back open and KFC's open down the road. And, and um, where do you guys go now? Mosaics has just opened a shop up. Uh, and, and there's a Gomez y Gomez there. And, and down the road, you've got a hog's breath happening. And, and so what, what, what they've looked at and gone, oh, okay, they've, they've recognized, Naomi's recognized that one of her cousins is the owner of one of these shops and franchises. 
Well, they actually had fields and it was grain, but just trying to understand it from a bit of our setting now. Um, if you didn't know, Maccas didn't exist back in, in Old Testament Bible days. <laughs> so, oh, I know, revelation right there. And because <laughs> it would be sounding a little bit weird, because otherwise, what it would look like really now is that Ruth's asked, I'm going to go follow around all the, um, all the people clearing tables and just get some of the scraps left off the tables. And that's essentially what she does. So she goes and helps out, clear the tables and, and get some scraps off it just to eat and get their family by. Um, or what really was happening was they would get grain out and some would fall to the ground and she'd come behind and pick it up. Now it turns out the person's field that she was in was actually Naomi's cousin Boaz. And so it just turned out that things just set up. And so she's there and looking out, and then Boaz starts saying to his, his guys, hey, just leave a little bit more. I've noted this girl following along. Just leave a little bit more for her and just, just look out for her. After a little while of this going on, there's a recognition that Naomi's seeing what's happening, and so she starts setting things up for her daughter-in-law and tells her, hey, go, go, go spend some time with Boaz. Go, go hang out at his house. Put on a little bit of perfume and... Um, Wear the nice dress, get some heels going on and, 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 and go spend some time there and see how he reacts. Now, to, now, there's this thing that happens in Israel. They had this, this phrase of people um, and what would happen is they have, have these people that are called kinsmen redeemers. So what would happen at this point, so Naomi's husband owned land. They had property. They had a few houses, they had a house and a couple of rental houses going on. They had some income coming from that thing. Famine had, they left. And when they left, somebody took over this property and they didn't own it anymore. But the title deeds were still in their name. They still, it was still recognized as their family land, but they had no possession over it. So what could happen was the kinsman redeemer from their family, so one of the cousins, could come in and pay a sum to take that land back. And they couldn't stop that sale. It had to happen. But what would happen with that sale is that Naomi's daughter-in-law would then become that person's husband, a wife. He would become her husband, and she would become his wife. And so Boaz recognizes this, but he's not actually the kinsman redeemer. But he's recognized some transaction that's going on between him and Ruth at this point recognizing that God's setting something up as she's pursued and hung out around and he's watched and seen her get around in his world and start to pursue and take care of things and look after things. So he goes to the kinsman redeemer and goes, okay, this is the situation. Naomi's back. There's no heritage for them. They've got no place, no land. It is your responsibility to buy this land back for them and continue on the family name. And so the kinsman redeemer for the, for the tribe sits there and goes, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Now, just understand this, though. If you do that, if you do that, you're going to take responsibility for Ruth. She's going to become your wife. And you're going to be responsible for then continuing on the family line. And he went, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. And so he says, okay. That's all right, then give me your sandal. Because what they did is they had a trade then. How they, how they did property, it's a little bit different today. If you want to go buy some property, you need to go talk to the real estate agent, and then you 
write an offer to them and they give that to the owner and then they come back and say yes and then you fill out all this paperwork and in that time you've got to go try and get a mortgage unless you've got a whole heap of cash and good on you if you do and um, can just pay that down at that point and this whole, all this paperwork happens. Back then what happened is you took off your sandal and you gave it to the other person and that was the contract. A little bit easier than, than how we do things today. So the kinsman redeemer decides not to. Boaz is next in line, and so he purchases the land back and becomes Ruth's husband, and she comes under his care. What's really gone on there? This, I mean, we're, we're talking, there's some romantic interest that's happened here. Um, once they became husband and wife, she fell pregnant with a, with a son, and um, God blessed her and, and continued on the family line so they could continue on, and that was there. What's going on is that that's happened in there. But something deeper than that happened. All of a sudden, here is someone who is essentially an orphan in the kingdom of God. Here's someone that is around the outside of the kingdom of God who doesn't have a father figure, doesn't have a dad in their world that understands who Jesus is and can input and feed that in. But they've recognized someone else who has something, and then they've gone and hung out. Now, what they did, she didn't go pursuing. She didn't go searching for someone to then marry her. She was just trying to survive. She was just trying to eat. But God set her up next to the person who could look out for her. So here's the thing that that literally happens there. And then Boaz, he wasn't looking out for any of this at all. He was taking care of his household. He was just doing the things that were in his hands to do of the kingdom of God. He was just going about it. But then all of a sudden, someone came into his world and sphere who he saw and recognized that they were desiring something of God and then felt some connection and some transaction start to happen in the spirit. I would love to create a system some app where we can try to work out how to describe this without using the word Tinder. And, um, <laughs> Spirit lanes. There you go. I, I would love to do this on an app. Get all our people that are, that are looking for someone to feed into their world on an app and all the people that are wanting to like feel they got something of the kingdom of God on an app, and then you can swipe left and right as you look across that thing, and then bam some sort of connection happens, and some sort of thing intertwines and, and happens in there. But the reality is, all the men in my life and the women in my life who have fulfilled and been my spiritual parents, some for seasons, some for a, a long term, in my world, at no point was I going around and going, today, it is a day I wake up and I'm going to grab someone who's going to fulfill what's been missed out in my world. I didn't wake up with that thing. Today is that day. What happened was one of them, which you guys guys know well and is, and is an example in our church, what happened is I walked in the doors of the church one day wearing a bright green shirt, purple jeans, and a, and a felt hat. 
Pastor Bruce turns to the youth pastor and goes, who's that clown? And most people that know me go, yeah, it's a fair description. And, and the youth pastor at that point sits there and goes, well, that's one of your youth leaders. And I, I, I would just love to see Bruce's face at that moment, <laughs> just to recognize what's going on. And so a couple of weeks later, we actually, Pastor Bruce and I had an interaction, and a couple of weeks, probably a week after that, um, went to his office at home and sat down, and we, we talked about the church and got to know each other. And something happened at that point. A transaction happened in the spirit. Did we start hanging out every week from then? No. Six years later, we were hanging out almost every day and tracked that for about, about eight years then, where we were hanging out almost every day. But something had happened in the spirit long before then that neither of us were searching for. And yet recognized, and then we had an option at that point to do something. But what we were both doing was pursuing what God had and recognizing where God had put us. And all the young people that I've had, and, and I know a lot of people have, I've had connection with a lot of people, some I would say I've inputted into, some I would say are my children. Some I would say there is definitely a spiritual transaction that happens and something that's different there to what happens with, with others. And some might be able to identify with that. But it's recognizing when something deeper occurs and, and, and where there's something of the Spirit of God that's transferred. And then identifying that and going through for a, a part or a season. But it's, it's about placing in proximity. And I, and I don't think there's any more that we can do for that. And as I look at the Word and think about the Word, and as I've been in worship tonight and God's been talking to me about Ruth, that's all it is is putting ourselves in proximity around each other. At the same time, pursuing what God's got on your heart and what he's got on your life. And I wish I could do more with it. I wish I could create more with it other than the fact of continuing talking and and encouraging you guys on the importance of this. And if you're here and you go that, like today is a painful day and you recognize and God speaks to your heart that goes, yeah, you're missing something. Just like when I was 17, year old, 17 years old, just turned 17, sitting in a tree on a young adults camp, talking with God, and he speaks to my heart, it's affected you. I'm like, what's affected you? Not having a dad. I'm like, no, it hasn't. I'm doing great. I love you. I've met you, Lord. We're, we've got this relationship thing going on. I'm doing well at school. We've got next year worked out. This is all mapping well. What do you mean? And he speaks into my heart. It stopped you. You don't actually know what it's like to be a husband and a father. And I need to teach and input that into your life. I went, oh, that's really cool. I want to be both those things. So that sounds like a good idea. And at that day, nothing got solved or redeemed or fixed but over time of chasing and looking and trying to pick up some grain around the place it did but in my broken state I thought I was fine and pursued a girl and got engaged and then that just blew up in my face because I didn't know how to treat her or look after her or anything like that. and most of you guys have heard that story or well, bits and pieces of it anyway but I guess I'm just sort of speaking in that going if you recognize that Position yourself. 
And if there's something inside you that you're already going on for the kingdom of God with things, position yourself and look. Open your eyes and look for those that are coming about you that all of a sudden are attractive to you. Notice Boaz found Ruth attractive. Now, I'm I'm not saying that Pastor Bruce found me physically attractive. Actually, it was the opposite. He found me quite repulsive the first time he saw me. You don't use the word clown to describe someone. You go, hey, good looking. But there was something that he recognized and attracted to in the spirit. And you can see that and you can perceive it. That's what discernment is called. If the spirit of God is living inside you, he will give discernment to recognize that. And then spend time. Feed in, invest in. I wanted to talk about Ephesians tonight. <laughs> I did. I, I had like lots of notes. I wanted to talk about blessing and heavenly realms and chosen and all these words in there that are like interesting and, 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 and messed up and, and we can pull a whole heap of bad doctrine over. But I, I really just felt the urge to emphasize this and pray for two things again, as we have been, and continue to pray and just spend some time now. And I don't know if it's praying for people or if we're praying for our church tonight. I don't know which one. Um, but let's just, let's just start at this. Let's just see that if you're in the room and you know there's something inside you that you're going... And, and you just feel God speaking to you, or you have, or today's a painful day. And you just feel God saying that there's something that you're missing because of your natural situation and you need me to fill, not me, but you need God saying, you need God to fill that hole. And when he speaks in Psalm 68, I'm a father to the fatherless, you need to say amen to that. I'm going to grab onto that. I just want to say amen with that. And... um just release something over, over that. So let me just ask this. Let's just, a handful of us in the room, we can all trust each other and we all really know each other, so there's no real need to be embarrassed. But is there anyone I can pray for with that? Yeah, cool. Let's, let's do it. Let's just stand up and pray on that. And others? Yes, no? We'll just pray for Josh. I'm happy to just pray for Josh. And let's. Sorry? Yeah, man, like you're a, and um, we're family in this, so let's let's do this together. So if you're saying yeah, I want to say I'm saying amen to that scripture tonight. Why don't you make yourself known to people so that we can love on you and pray into that? And um, let's do this in one area, one good. Let's somewhere in the middle. We've got a pulpit in the middle, so over here looks good to me. And <laughs> I'm already standing here, so that makes it easier. Well, I can. Yeah. That too. That's all right. Okay. You guys, you don't need to film anymore. You guys come join us. You guys need to be part of this and um, learn. That's, that's all good.
different.